Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. Check out salesgravy.university. If you have not done so, if you want to up-level your game, that's the place to go. Go check that out. I am so excited to jump into today's episode because I've got a guest on the show who is, you want to talk, she calls me a beast. I think she's a beast. She is a military recruiter, an army specifically, U.S. Army military recruiter, and she's a woman. So of course she should be here. She was in one of my training sessions because I do work with the military and giving them some sales skills for getting out there and getting enlistments. And I just, I loved her vibe in one of my training sessions. And I was like, hey, I think you should come be on the show. And she just instantly said yes. So I'm super excited to welcome Staff Sergeant Amber McMahon, right? Sergeant McMahon. I'm not going to call you Staff Sergeant for the rest of this episode. I'm going to call you Amber if that's cool with you. That's fine. That's fine. (laughs) Okay, cool. Welcome to the show. Are you excited to be here? I am, Miss Gina. I'm so excited. Okay, cool. Well, there's so many things I want to ask you about. You've been in training with me. I am mm-hmm. so passionate about working with the military. I love being able to come in and give you guys just if, even if just one thing I walk in, I'm like, just take one thing because honestly, some of those recruiters are not happy to see me. They don't want to be in training all day with me. You always had a smile on your face and you were ready to go and you heard about this podcast and you wanted to hear it. And I was like, this is mm-hmm. my girl. I need to get her here. <laughs> So I I just, I want the world to hear your story, how you got started in this. And we're just going to go from there. I kind of flow through things. So let's kind of get into how did you, how did Amber become a recruiter? How did Amber get involved with the Army? Just give me a little bit of that backstory. Well, Amber is a country girl from like middle of nowhere, Virginia, right? Southampton County to be specific. Small town, small school, small everything. But I actually have a martial arts background. So my family owns one of the first Black-owned martial arts dojos in Virginia. (laughs) Girl! Wow! (laughs) So the discipline has always been there. The work hard, push yourself to the limit, that thing like that. It was in the house because my father was my sifu. And then you had it performing in sports and martial arts, everything else. So the discipline factor was always there. I had to work outside on the farm, help my grandparents, everything else. So that part... I wasn't afraid of hard work in schools, class president, everything else. But I didn't get into my dream school. I got into my schools, a lot of schools I applied for, but that one dream school I did not get into. And I think I missed it by like maybe like a point, point two. For the dream school? Virginia Commonwealth University. Okay. Yes. Yep. Virginia Commonwealth University. I went on tours and I was just like, oh, I'm in love with it. I want to go. This is my dream. This is my everything else. Didn't get it. And I'm just like, everything went left for me. I had this great elaborate plan. I was working at Dairy Queen. I was going to go to community college. I was going to join the reserve because the Army does have a part-time option just to help you go through school. So my intent was to keep a full-time job, be a full-time student, keep on going so I could transfer over to my dream school, my dream major and everything else. And my mom was just like, I support whatever you do. Because that's what, shout out to her. I support whatever you do. But I think you need to put all your eggs in one basket. You don't, you're doing too much. You're going to work yourself in the ground. I'm like, no, mama, I can do it. We all hard workers. We can do this. We can do that. And she was like, yeah, but that's a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can do it. I can do it. In a part of the entry process to join the military, you have to go to MEPS. That's Military Entry Processing Center or station. Went there. And at the very last minute, I was sitting with my guidance counselor in the Army. 
who just so happened to be a civilian at the time. And he said, these are your options. And I'm like, before I do that biometric signature, I was like, let me see what my active duty options are. I just want to see. I just want to see. He's like, you sure? I was like, yeah. He's angry. Turning to everything at the last minute. And I was like, I just need to see. Something's pushing me to the active duty side. And was this somebody in your high school? No, this was the guidance counselor. I was about to join. Okay. This is your guidance counselor. This was a guy in color at MEPS or at MEPS. Okay. So, but what brought mm-hmm. you to, what got you to walk in to MEPS? So I was going the part-time option first. Okay. So I was going to go Army to help me pay for school. Okay. And then switch over to my full-time Virginia Commonwealth University to get into my dream school. Okay. Um, and who told you about this option to get school paid for? Oh, my career. I walked right into the office. I just so walked you, right in. So you yeah. actually just, you actually were like, you're the dream candidate for a a military recruiter. You walked I in. I was super, super small, never been in trouble, like in shape. I just walked in like, can y'all help me pay for school? And you're like, yeah, yeah. sit right down. Like, <laughs> but what, but what, got, what made you think about going and doing that? Did you come from a military family? My dad was in the army, but he never pushed it. Okay. So it was just kind of there. I don't know. It was everything happens for a reason. Yeah. But how did you know that could be an option to get school paid for? Honestly, I didn't. Okay. All right. I was saying I didn't. Okay. I, I didn't mean to keep interrupting you, but I'm just. You're all right. I want to mm-hmm. know your story. I didn't know. So I there had you, no idea. So there you I are. I was asking them. Yeah. Yeah. So there you are with your career counselor at MAP and mm-hmm. you have decided, you know what, maybe I want to go active duty. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. I was like, maybe I want to go active duty. I want to be full time. I don't, I'm tired of Gary Queen. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm tired of Blizzard. And uh, he gave me my option. And no lie, this is how it went. He said, you can be a laundry specialist. You can be logistic. You can be, what else was it? It was uh, some kind of mechanic. And then he said, you can be 14 Tango. He gave me all the names and then gave me the code for the last one. I said, well, what's 14 Tango? He said, this is how it went, Miss Gina. I can't, I'm not making it. He said, you blow shit up. I said, I want that one. <laughs> that is Just so like funny that. that he literally, like, when it came to the last one, it was 14 mm-hmm. Tango. Yeah, I was like, what's that? No, he said, you blow shit up. I was. Was there an actual title? Blow shit up? It's a a Patriot Laundry Station Enhanced Operator Maintainer. Got it. Okay. So you wanted to blow shit up. Continue. I did. I did. I selected it. And after everything was over, I called my mom. I let her know what happened. I said, I listen to you. I'm a full time soldier now or about to be a full time soldier. She said, thank God. (laughs) I don't think you're going to make it. You were doing too much. Yeah. And pretty much after that, everything was history. 14 Tango was actually the first combat job to open up to females. At the time, I didn't know. But after I joined that, a few years later, they opened up. They slowly opened up all the other combat MOSs to females. So now everything is open to us. But little did I know, I'm going in to prove a point to myself, to my family, and to everybody else. I can do this. This is what I want to do. I picked it. I think I crushed it. I think I did very well. Things happen and now I'm a recruiter. So so for those who are listening and they don't know anything about military recruiting mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different acronyms and things yeah. like Tango 14 or 14 Tango. Or even yeah. I have to like, I'm constantly like Googling things. I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I know sales, but just break down MOS for people who don't understand that phrase. That is a military occupation specialty. It's just your job. We have to make everything sound fancy. <laughs> and that is your job. That is your specific job. Yeah. When you ask somebody what their job is in the military in general, specifically Army, 
we have codes to go along with it. So like I said, I was a 14 tango. So anything with a 14 attached to it was in the air defense realm, air defense artillery. So all of the jobs, you have 11. Those are your infantry. 13, that's all field artillery. 14, air defense. 35, intelligence. 25, signal communication. It goes on like that. And then the letters at the end are specifically what you do within the branch. Other branches of the military, you join, but you join the broad of the branch, not job specific. With us, you can get really job specific on what you do. So you know exactly what you're going to do, where you're going to do it, how long you're going to do it, everything else. So I knew exactly what I was going to be doing in the air defense realm. Never had any surprises, never had anything else to go along with it. So I was an air defense artillery woman. <laughs> I, I lo- So you went and you blew up shit for how long? I just like saying you um, blew up shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was about nine years, eight, nine years. Wow. Okay. And where did you do that? So I was specifically stationed at Fort Hood, but from Fort Hood, I went to Kuwait and Bahrain was where I spent most of my longer tours at. I did smaller ones in between, but it wasn't that long. So I did those long deployments within Kuwait and Bahrain. And like I said, we are air defense. So in those small areas, we cover a broad, very vast mileage because we are guarding the skies. (laughs) Were you, did you have any fear at all about enlisting? It wasn't fear. It's more like I was anxious. I didn't know what to expect. Never left Virginia. Like I said, small town girl, farmer, like all that stuff. I didn't know anything outside of that. So I wasn't afraid, but I was very anxious because I had no idea what to expect. I knew it was going to be a different way of life. I knew it was going to be challenging. I knew it was going to be different. But at the same time, I knew I could handle it. It's just a matter of embracing it and just running with it. Yeah. And I did. And you did. Yeah, so how did you end up in recruiting? How did that, how'd that happen? Okay. So I joined the army straight out of high school. 18th birthday. I was like, I don't need parental consent. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I did it and I left and here I am. I have two kids now, nine and 10. So things change. Things change. I'm married. I wasn't married then, no children then. So yeah. had all of my great wonderful time blowing shit up and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, things change. That is a very that's a very high tempo job. So every other year you're gone, training, you're gone. Those kind of things you have to train, train. Because when it comes time for real life scenarios, you have to act. So with all of the rotations and everything else that we had to do, as a mom, in my personal preference, it wasn't family friendly. Although I was having a great time and I was learning a lot, I feel like I was touching lives, being that positive leader and everything else that a lot of people didn't have or they wanted to have. But just being different, just being different because I'm not a by the book type of person. I lead how I feel. I take care of my people. They call me Mama Mac. They used to call me Mama Mac because I didn't like, and everybody knew. And you need something, go Mama Mac, she got you. But we did all of that. And then just having kids and everything else in my last deployment was just kind of, it took a toll on my babies. It took a toll on my babies. And that's when I knew I needed to make some sort of change. I started training to be what we call a career counselor, right? We have a career counselor and we have a recruiter. They're both career counselors. But when you're in actual, let me rewind it back. Remember when I was there about the MOS code? So we have a 79 Romeo and a 79 Sierra, 79R, 79S. Our 79R, right? The R's deal with civilians. The S's deal with soldiers. I was training to be a 79S. I want, I love soldiers. I love taking care of soldiers. I love 
those disgruntled soldiers that are just angry and just forget that, forget that this person made me mad, that person made me mad. I bring them in. Come in, tell me what's really going on. You can't just say after harm because one person made you mad. That's not how it works. You're going to get your feelings hurt in the civilian world. Because <laughs> they'll just say, oh, you're fired. And that's it. So just bringing them in. And I, I really enjoyed that when I started doing that and actually started helping people kind of navigate through their careers in the Army, letting them know all the options that, that they weren't aware that they had. I was like, this is my calling. I was like, this is it. This is it. This is where I can counsel people. I can help them. I can really make a difference in somebody's life. I can really make a difference. And I started doing that. And I got a call from my branch manager. Like I said, they're 14. It's in in control by one person. They were like, hey, you want to be a recruiter? I said, I guess so. Let me give it a try. Let me give it a try. So that's when I was a detailed recruited at first. I was still a 14 series, but it was kind of a special duty. I was only supposed to do it temporarily. And after a year, the recruiting person that's in charge, branch manager was like, hey, do you want to become a permanent recruiter? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me think on it. Went home because my husband is also in the army. He was a detailed recruiter with me. We were recruiting in Dallas together. And I said, well, I got this option. Do you think I should do it? Do you think anything else? And he was like, well, you're really good. All this other stuff. And I was like, yeah, just going with the flow. <laughs> so I made the change because weighing out the pros and cons, I don't have to, I don't have to deploy. I don't have to go to training as much and things like that. I still have to go to training, but nowhere near as often as I did being in my previous field. I love what I do. I love, I'm still making a difference. I'm still helping people. I'm still touching lives. Just from the beginning part of a career, I'm helping people get a careers initiated, get their college benefits started. I'm really and truly like going from people struggling to, okay, now they're comfortable because they're in a guaranteed career now. So that part is still still satisfying to me. And I still reach out to soldiers and stuff and I help them along because we have soldiers in our office all the time. Not really. They come in by mistake. Because they come in looking for the 79 S's. There's no 79 S's over there. We're 79 Romeos, but we'll help you either way. So we still, I still get to itch that too. So That is awesome. And you do actually work with recruiting prior service. That's another piece of it, right? Right. Getting them to come back. Yeah. And so, oh man, what happened? And that, that one person made a man. I'm just like, you should have talked to me before. But it's okay. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> You're here. You're here now. So, yeah. so you switch over to recruiting and how long have you been doing that? Three years. Okay. So you've been doing it three years and how's that been? Because the last three years in this world haven't been easy. Let's just talk about recruiting in general, because this podcast is about sales yes. and what's your overview on being a recruiter and the skills you have to use? So being a recruiter. It's not easy, but it's not hard either. So one of the pointers that that you talked about in your training that I talk about all the time is the 90-day turnaround, right? 30 days of work, 90-day turnaround. That's when you'll that's when you'll really see it. But for us, we have to do it all the time because even though that 30 day you put in, you're gonna see the 90 days, you have to keep putting in that 30 days. So how we teach it is if you plan on only being here temporarily. You put in those 30 day, 30 day, 30 days of work. Your second and third year here, because it's a three year temporary assignment, you don't really have to do much of anything. 
because all your follow-ups and everything else is going to start trickling in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call you. Oh, I remember you You sent me a text message six months ago. <laughs> Things changed in my life. Let me call you back and stuff like that. So it's not a hard job. We do have ob- obstacles to overcome, but you just have to be able to manage your time. And when you do put in work, put in the work properly. You can't have tail stuff. <laughs> you can't have tail stuff. You have to do it. You have to do it properly. And you have to really focus and grind when you do. You don't have to put in eight hours of work a day. You really don't. You really don't. We're in the office from 0900, which is 9 a.m. to 1700, which is 5 p.m. Those are our business hours. Out of all those business hours, you really only have to give about three to four hours of that work. The other ones, whatever. You can do your prospecting within those few hours. It will reap the benefits later. So being able to keep people on task, stay on task yourself because you have squirrel moments all day long. It's people walking in and out of your office and you're in the middle of doing something. It's like, what did you say? What was that? What's that question that you had? All day long, all day long. That part for me is hard because like I said, I'm always trying to help people. I'm always trying to make the process easier for everybody else. And being that 79 Romeo, that 79 R, I'm technically a subject matter expert. So I'm going around helping and still trying to finish my to-do list at the same time. (laughs) Well, I love that you share that because I've been in training with you and Mm. I work with the Army a lot. And not every recruiter has the same mindset that you do, quite honestly, right? No. It's refreshing to hear you can get this done in a few hours. You can get this done in eight hours. I've heard recruiters and salespeople in general, right, down in general, that There's not enough time in their day. They can't get it all done. What do you want me to focus on? And they kind of whine a little bit about it. But you're kind of saying that's you're kind of debunking that and saying this is doable. So for those that would push back and go, Amber, you're wrong. Mama Mac, you're wrong. Uh, What would be your advice to them on how you're able to actually get it accomplished in an eight hour day? You have to have to be able to manage your time. You have to be able to delegate tasks because we get tasks all day long. And I'm guilty of saying there's not enough time in the day because some days they're over just like that. And you feel like you got zero done, but you've been running around like a chicken with your head cut off all day long. There are those days, but for the most part, you have to be able to write your list. You have to be able to say, these are my no fails. We call them glass balls. These are my glass balls for today. The rest are rubber balls. If I drop it, it's going to bounce right back. I can do it tomorrow. You have to be able to identify those. You have to, have to. If you don't identify those, you got to be scrambling all day long. So you and gotta, those glass balls are going to drop. You got to get the glass balls done. What, what are your glass balls? It changes every day. It changes every day. <laughs> the, most of the time. So we have planning meetings throughout the day, every day. Every morning, we have a meeting with our command team who's just had a meeting with their command team, so on and so forth. So that's where we get the glass and the rubber balls for the day. But if, even if we don't have that meeting, you have those. You have to put in those few hours of those prospecting. You have to get in contact with X amount of people or at least try to make contact with X amount of people. You have to do that. You have to be at sharing that framework. Use the framework that you're doing when you're doing these phone calls. You're sending those text messages, emails, whatever the case may be. Those are the glass balls that you give. And let's say the attempts are the glass balls contacts in appointments, not necessarily, because that's something that's kind of out of our control. Those would be the rubber ball for that. Or the glass ball would be the planning meetings that we have huddles every morning with my immediate station. I call them my family. 
I call my office a family. So we have a family meeting every morning. Gladfall. That's a gladfall for me because not only does it keep me accountable for things that we have to do, I know I said my things out loud. So we as a team, we're all non-commissioned officers in here. For those who don't know a non-commissioned officer, the E5 and above in the Army. So we're all non-commissioned officers. We're all leaders. So if I say it once, I write it on the board. I write it on the calendar. I do everything I need to do. So it's got to be done. It's got to be done. And what we write on the calendar are the glass balls for that day or that week or that month or whatever the case may be. And there's always a no later than date by those glass balls. They know this is, it has to be done. It has no if and but. It has to be done. So that's how we're able to kind of stay on track with it. Very rarely do we drop a glass ball, but at the same time, it happens. You just have to be able to get some super glue and put it back together. I like that. I like that. Well, along those lines, where do you think some recruiters maybe go awry or or not following things or not attacking the glass balls? Where do you think they get into trouble? That's why they're struggling. Just complacency. Complacency is huge for us because out here, being that it is a special assignment, you create your own schedule. You create your own schedule. And being that you are a non-commissioned officer, you're expected to adhere to that schedule that you set to yourself because you are a non-commissioned officer. You are a leader. And if it does not happen, you have to be able to handle the consequences. But as far as somebody not being over your shoulder 24-7 to micromanage you and make sure you are adhering to the plan that you set for yourself, however you set that, based on the goals that I give you, I need you to do this week. You make your plan for this week. As long as you meet my goals, I don't care what else you do. And they get really lazy and complacent. And they say, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Last minute, it's like, so where's my stuff? We call it rent money. Where's my rent money? <laughs> You're not going to pay rent. Somebody's going to be evicted. 30-day notice, whatever the case may be. Where's my money? What keeps you motivated? Because what's different with military recruiters versus salespeople, right? Salespeople, we usually sign up for the job and we're usually motivated by commission and making as much money as we can. How do you stay motivated or what can you suggest would be the motivator? For us, it's always seeing, one is seeing your team win. It's just seeing your team win. I tell people all the time, I don't care if you ever see my name on a top recruiter, a top person, a top performer or anything like that. What I care about is you seeing my team's name, whether it's it's Hinesville, Fort Stewart, or whether you see the individual people in my team. I don't have to ever get recognition. It's all about them. I put out the guidelines, I give them the tools, and they make it happen. I'm there to kind of do the alley-oops every now and then. Alley-oop, game win a point because we just made it the two extra points that we needed, right? That's what I'm really there for. But that that satisfaction, one, to recruiters to not have all the extra training and everything else, because things are changing. If you don't produce in so many days or whatever the case may be, you got to go to extra training and all these other negative consequences that that come along with it. But you just want to avoid that at all costs. So the easiest thing to do is just to do those few hours of work. Enjoy your freedom that you have while you're out here that you don't really get when you're doing your regular job and just put that one or two people in a month or whatever your requirement is. Just do that. You can overproduce if you want to. We all love to overproduce because you help the overall team. You help the overall team. Right. Right. But if you don't, you do what you need to do and then you do what you want to do. 
I even tell that to my son. You do what you need to do first. You get that done. And then you can do whatever you want to do. That is an and amber. Gonna, that's an amber that's quote it. right there. That's it. That is it. <laughs> the faster you do what you need to do. You get to do the what faster you, you can do what you want to do. That Now, some recruiters, they're put into the recruiting assignment, but they didn't really mm-hmm. sign up for the recruiting assignment. Is that correct? Right. That is correct. What that do you do correct. with what do you do with those? Because those are the harder ones, aren't they? Those they're different. They're different. Some people are just ready to attack it here. Okay, I'm here. I know there's no way out. Just give it to me. But then you have the ones that are just disgruntled. I don't want to do it. I don't want I want to go back. I want to do this. I want to this is stupid. This is this is bad. And I'm like, suck it up. We gotta do it. We gotta make it fun. We gotta make it fun. That's just life in general. You're going to go through periods. You're going to have jobs. You're not going to enjoy every day of it. You got to go through the suck every now and then. You know, although recruiting isn't the suck necessarily, it's pulling people out of their comfort zone. And I just just posted a reel about getting out of your comfort zone and being uncomfortable yesterday, actually. You have to be uncomfortable in order to be comfortable. Recruiting is one of the most challenging positions in the military in general. It doesn't even mean have to be army. It's military and mm-hmm. being the most stressful, mentally stressful position that you have. And it can be challenging, but it can also be extremely rewarding and extremely fun. You just have to, you have to make the best out of it. Just like, again, in your training, I keep going back to your training. That energy has to be there. Like that family has to be there. That, that sense of togetherness, that camaraderie has to be there. Even if they are disgruntled, like you have to figure out a way to attack it. Every person on your team is different. Every person receives differently. Every person gives differently. And you have to be able to distinguish the difference between all of your peers, all of your subordinates or whatever the case may be, even your people that that are higher than you. You have to know how to give and receive properly based on that person. You can read black and white all day long, but I know if I tell this one person, hey, I put this on a calendar, just get it done. I know it's going to be done, right? But if I have another person, Hey, I put this on the calendar. It's going in one and out the other. So I have to, hey, don't forget. Let me put eight sticky notes on your computer so you don't forget. Or, hey, you do this for me real quick. You have the rest of the day off. Something like that. You have to figure out what motivates them. What do you want? What do you want? What do you need from me in order for you to perform like I need you to perform? 